podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Tuesday in which not a whole lot is happening other than the standard Twitter meltdowns that take place at this time of the year, every single year. So we had two major meltdowns. One was probably more a tantrum, a collective tantrum than a meltdown last night. The first took place after Ian Doyle and then Fabrizio Romano talked about Liverpool and a budget and having to keep their powder dry and maybe look for cheaper options. Well, first things first, nobody, not even Ian Doyle's mum, believes that Ian Doyle knows what's going on. His track record shows that. Two, Romano is a spoofer who probably went off of Doyle's report when he said whatever it was he said. So just, you know, settle down. The transfer window isn't even open yet. doesn't open for another few days. And then it runs all the way through to the 1st of September. There's two and a half months left in the transfer window. We've already signed somebody. United haven't signed anybody. City haven't signed anybody. Newcastle signed some kids you hadn't heard of. Spurs haven't signed anybody. Arsenal haven't signed anybody. Calm down. The transfer window's not open yet. And transfers take time. Especially when clubs don't necessarily want to sell their player and have to be talked into it. When the player has to put a bit of extra pressure on the situation. These things take time. Anyone expecting us to have all our business lined up this week that Turam would be through the door and the next guy be through the door and the next guy be through the Just settle down. These things will take time. We've got one exceptional player through the door already. So let's enjoy the fact that we've signed Alexis. Let's not lose our minds over your idea that, oh, we had a £250 million budget and now we don't have any money left because we signed Alexis. Neither of those things were ever true. Nobody ever said we had a £250 million budget. And nobody has said we've got no money. We have money. The money will be spent. But it'll be spent on the right players. It'll be spent at the price we we want. Now, my opinion is that Turam will be the next in the door. And then I think there'll be at least one more midfielder after that. But potentially two. And then there'll be a centre-back. Now, they'll come in a different order, and that's fine. But I'm of the belief that we will sign six, maybe even seven players this summer. Because we'll be bringing in a goalkeeper as well, 
assuming Kelleher leaves, and potentially a young forward as well. Now, it might be somebody who's 17 or 18, might not be somebody who's ready to contribute. But calm down. Don't don't be getting so wound up about the transfer window in early July. If come this point in August, we're still scrambling around and Alexis is the only one in the door, I will absolutely join you in said meltdown. Don't worry. Don't worry. There's nobody better tuned for a good old transfer-related meltdown than me. So I'll be fully on board with that. The second meltdown, or the tantrum, came after completely unsubstantiated reports appeared in some outlet in Qatar that nobody had heard of before last night, which suggested that Sheikh Jassim had won the race to buy Man United. Now, there's a couple of things to consider here. Number one, the outlet in Qatar didn't actually say that. It said that according to other reports, it didn't link these other reports. It didn't say where these reports were from. It just said, according to reports, he's won the race. But look around. There was no reports. There was a few lads on Twitter. And that's all. A couple of lads who have been saying the same nonsense for six months. There's no suggestion that this guy has won the race to buy United. All suggestion is that Jim Ratcliffe is the preferred buyer. That his offer is more along the lines of what the Glazers were looking for. That he values the club higher and that he's not looking for a complete buyout of the club. He's going to enable the Glazers to keep a certain percentage of their shares, which will enable them to continue to milk the club, which is, at the end of the day, their whole aim on this. But just because Sheikh Jassim is trying to manipulate the market by, you know, his take-it-or-leave-it offers and then having garbage appear in nonsensical outlets in Qatar to try and mess with the stock market and try and get United fans all riled up doesn't mean he's won it. Doesn't mean he's going to win it. It's unlikely that he'll win it. It's also unlikely that he can prove proof of funds because he doesn't have the money to buy Manchester United and he doesn't have the assets to borrow the money to buy Manchester United. So I would imagine a very quick look into him will allow anybody at the Premier League with half a functioning brain to say, well, this is clearly a state-backed bid. And I understand that the Saudis were allowed by Newcastle. There was government interference in that. The reason the Saudis were allowed by Newcastle United is because Boris Johnson interfered in it. Simple as that. That's not going to be the case for Qatar. And this idea that, oh, we're finished. Like, do you know what gets me? If FSG had spent the 200 million 
that was needed for the stands and the training ground themselves out of their own pocket, which they should have done because it was a that's why the loophole was created in the FFP rules that owners could invest that money for infrastructure separately and it wouldn't count towards FFP. If they had spent that money and not made the club itself spend that money, because remember, the people who benefit most from that infrastructure upgrade is them because it raises the value of their asset far more than it gives back to any fan or to the team. It raises the value of their their asset. So if they'd spent that money and not the club, and the club could have spent that £200 on players, we would have multiple Premier Leagues, multiple Champions Leagues. So I know we like to hide behind the excuse of City and they're state-backed and they cheat, and all of that stuff is true, but that's not why they've beaten us to titles. It's because we've been too cheap. Because we haven't invested. You go man for man, our team against their team over the last few years prior to this season, we undeniably had a better team than them. Undeniably had a better team. Trent, far better than Walker. Ibu's easily as good as Diaz. Virgil is better than whoever else they want to play. John Stones. If you want to switch it, Ebu's better than Stones. Virgil's better than Diaz. Andy Robertson was better than Nathan Aki. Ali's far better than Ederson. Now, you'd give them Rodri over Fab, but when Fab was at his best, it was close. Thiago, I would take over Gundogan. I think Gundogan's incredible, but Thiago's better. The big advantage for them is that De Bruyne versus Henderson is not a competition. In attack, Salah is better than Mares. We had Mane, better than Grealish. And they were using Jesus and whoever else. Ferran Torres through the middle. Well, you know, we had Bobby, we had Jota. We had a better team than them. But we didn't invest. We didn't push forward. And we didn't eliminate our weaknesses. And that 200 million, which wouldn't have been 200 million in one summer, we're talking about maybe 30 million per window for three years. 35 million per window for three years. It's about 210 million. That's one player extra per window. One really good player extra per window. Imagine the difference that would have made to us. Imagine what that would have done. So we don't need to be state-backed. We just need to be smart. We just need to follow the approach that got us to the top of the mountain and not worry about what the rest of them are doing. Like, stop worrying that Arsenal are going to spend £100 on Declan Rice. That's what's called a mistake. That's not something to be envious of. That's something to shy away from. £100 for Declan Rice. Like, nobody can seriously think that's a good move. He's a £50 million player at his best. If we could get Romeo Lavia for £40 million, he will be a better player than Declan Rice. If we get Kefren Turam for £40 million, 
he will be a better player than Declan Rice. If we get both of them for less than Arsenal paid for Rice, we have worked out far better. Just, you know, forget what other clubs are doing. Look at what we've done in the past. We just need to do more of that. Forget the idea that the market has changed. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. There's just more people trying to do what we used to do. But the market itself hasn't changed. Because the market has expanded. Because clubs are buying players from more places now. There's a more direct line from Scandinavia to England now, rather than players coming through Belgium or the Netherlands or Germany and then the Premier League clubs going shopping there. Just, you know, settle down a little bit. Qatar have not bought Manchester United. They haven't done it yet. They might do, but it doesn't look likely. Jim Ratcliffe is what looks likely. And a quick look into Nice tells us that that's who we want to buy Manchester United. We want it to be Jim Ratcliffe because Nice are a clusterfuck. Going around the main Liverpool websites then. um, This is Anfield has a lead piece. Five Bundesliga players Liverpool could target this transfer window. It It is all players we've been linked with. It's Josco Guardiol who's a very, very entertaining player as a centre-back, great on the ball, strong defensively, really good at carrying the ball, which is a lot of fun. Um, It's Ron Robert Zeeler, a player that I have linked personally to the club um, and tried to manifest as as a sensible backup goalkeeper because he's homegrown. Ryan Gravenberch... I'd, I'd prefer us to pass on that one. I'm, I'm hoping that's just old news, that he's one that we were interested in months and months ago, similar to Mason Mount, who we quite clearly moved on from months back. Uh, Manu Kone, who's obviously been strongly linked to us. Mickey Van de Veen. I mean, I, I'd very much be on board, very, very much be on board with him. It's all players that's been linked steadily, but they're all Bar Gravenberch. And, and Gravenberch would make sense if he was the fourth midfielder coming in, but the rest of them do all make sense. Uh, there's a piece on why Liverpool want to sign a left side centre back. I mean, I think it's quite obvious, but it's a, it's a decent piece. Um, there's a piece on Fabinho. There is a piece on Arthur. Piece on Naby Keita passing his medical and signing for Werder Bremen. Uh, Liverpool linked to Gambian Hurricane Ford worth 2.6 million. Adama Bojang. Ed Ahrens has linked us to him. Ed has really good contacts at Palace, and Palace are one of the clubs who are interested. He also names uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, Wolves, and RB Leipzig. Now, this kid is meant to be. Very, very talented, but I can't tell that I just can't say I've seen him at all. Um, Neil Jones has dismissed reports and rumors linking us with Benjamin Pavard, which the more I think about it, 
it's a good thing that we're not actually interested in him. He's not, he's no better than Joe Gomez. He's a slower version of Joe Gomez. He might be a slightly better passer, but Joe's a really good passer as well. Defensively, he's, he is average, average at this point. He's very poor in, in his own box. He's poor 1v1. He's good at going and winning the ball high up the pitch, but then he can't do anything with it because he's not good on the ball in the final third. Similar enough case with Joe. He wouldn't make sense for us. Like, he is literally, unless Joe was leaving, but then you'd want to be replacing Matip with a homegrown player. Because if those two centre-backs leave, one of them has to be replaced by somebody who's homegrown. Now, there are some decent homegrown options we could look at for depth. Someone like a Jacob Greaves, perhaps, of Hull. I know people might not be overly enthused by signing a championship centre-back. Ashley Phillips from Blackburn's another one. Obviously, the, the names like Levi Colwell and Mark Gwehi, um are out there, but I, I just don't see us getting either of them. Uh, on Liverpool.com, uh, the lead piece is about Declan Rice and Spurs on the verge of starting uh, Liverpool transfer chain. Killing Mbappe, he's told PSG he wants to leave, which, I mean, Romano is boxing the belly off himself here. The chance to send eight tweets a day that say absolutely nothing and are just reworded versions of the previous tweets. Um, the Mbappe saga has begun again. He's told PSG he won't renew his contract, won't extend it beyond next season. <clears throat> and now it looks like PSG will probably sell him. For me, what that says is call Real and ask about Chiumeni. If they say no, ask about Valverde. If they say no, just tell them to fuck off and hang up the phone. But call and ask about those two players because they're going to need to raise some money. And with Jude coming in, they might well have one of those midfielders that they're willing to move on from. I don't think they'd let Camavinga go. He'd be ideal. Chumeni would be perfect. Valverde, any of those three, to be fair, any of those three would be perfect. But they're perfect in different ways. Um, Valverde would mean probably not buying Kefren Turam. You'd have to then go and buy a different type of midfielder, someone that's more of a defensive-minded midfielder. So maybe, maybe then you go for Manu Kone. Ideally, maybe Moses, Moises Caicedo. But Chumeni and Turam would make a lot of sense. Then you go Trent and Chumeni as the the double pivot, which would be incredible. And then you go Turam and Alexis as the two advanced ones. That would be ideal. Darwin Nunes just watched ideal next Liverpool, next transfer Liverpool should target after Alexis McAllister. So Uruguay, won the under-20 World Cup final. And Darwin was watching from his home in Uruguay. And Fabrizio Diaz is, or Fabrizio Diaz is the midfielder who really did stand out in the tournament. Uh, he plays for Liverpool uh, Montevideo. He is very, very good. Now, he's 20 years of age and asking him to step up from that level to our level would be a big, big ask. But if you get him cheap, he'd be well worth bringing in as one to develop. 
really talented player. He was absolutely brilliant in that competition. He is there's there's something there's something really impressive about the way he's just always where he needs to be. He's never out of position, ever. Like he's on one side of the field, the ball gets switched and then gets played back into a central area. And in your head, you're thinking, well, he's still a back out on the right-hand side, say. It's gone left, and now it's back central. But he's still out on the right. There's no way he's back in, in place this quickly. And he's just stood there, ready to receive the ball, ready to take it off somebody, ready to do whatever is needed. He is he is a tremendous player. And it's clear that there's real natural leadership there with him already at his age. On... Liverpool.com as well. They have um, a piece about Ergen Koku and how we've missed on a £130 million player. I don't don't really care to get into it, but he's a really good player. He would have been a good signing, but he's not someone we decided to pursue, so I'm not going to get overly worried about it. He's gone to Benfica. If he does well there, then maybe we will look at him more seriously, but for now, he wasn't someone that we, we wanted to bring in. Uh, Man United could hold up Liverpool transfer. Don't think so. Don't think it'll have any impact on Kevin Turam. Um, the spoofer with the catchphrase is, is talking up Gabriel Viega. He's definitely someone we, we've shown interest in. Whether it happens or not, I have doubts. Um, but he's, he's super talented. But he'd be, again, he's one you'd want as your fourth midfielder. Um, Calvin Ramsey is to join Portsmouth, uh, sorry, Preston on loan. Paul Joyce has reported that today. It was obviously rumoured yesterday. Uh, there's a piece up about Man City. This is on AnfieldIndex.com. I don't know if I said that. There's a piece up about Kefren Turam. I have a piece up about Alexis McAllister, which you can read. And Henry Jackson has a piece. Is Jordan Henderson suited to the James Milner role? And the answer is no, which surprisingly is the answer Henry came to as well, because as you know, Henry is a big proponent of the captain, um, has completely overlooked the fact that it's not just this past season where he was poor, it was the two previous as well. But it did take a lot for Henry to accept that Henderson was awful in this past season, so we'll we'll let him away. Uh, Podcast-wise, the new under pressure is there, old school, And there's a couple of scouted, so check all of those out when you get a chance. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.